0: We are in this series simply entitled Legacy, because we're building, somebody say legacy. Legacy. We're building something that is going to last generations, and we're believing the Lord that he is going to show up in favor on our behalf. But as we told you last week, and we're going to reiterate this, you're going to hear me say some things over and over, uh, over the next couple of weeks, but we got some work to do, amen? Amen. And we should all be in prayer, because we're going to need every member of the church, look around you, not just, you know, you, but all the people around you to do their part as individuals. That's a great place to be like, amen. So I'm going to say that again. To do their part as individuals. As we announced last week, the Lord is shifting us to a new facility. Amen. That we're about to close on in a number of weeks. But it comes with an opportunity for each of us to go on this spiritual journey of stewardship. But we're calling it a journey because uh, it's not just a momentary thing. We're going to have to do a sustained work in our lives to be able to hold what God is doing in our lives. Another important day I want to remind you guys about is May the 21st. It's a Sunday morning. We will meet back here as a church family. We're having an all-members service again. We're going to have our pledge that Sunday. We're going to have a pledge Sunday. And remember, we're doing two things that Sunday. I want to be really clear about what we're doing that day. The first thing we're doing is we're asking every member of our church, every part of our body, and a member is this, is those who have taken the classes and those who keep on eating my, my bagels in the morning. And if you come here for more than six weeks and eat my bagels, you're a member. So listen up real quick. We can't just be, we can't just be consumers of church. we got to make it happen as well. we got to be producers of the kingdom of God. And here's what I would challenge you, right, that each and every one of us are being challenged by the Lord. This is what we should be praying about to bring a first offering to this thing. And it's based on your capacity. And everybody's capacity is different. We talked to the leadership teams, we talked to many of our top donors, and people's capacity is different, but here's the one thing that all of this should share. It should all of us, it should be sacrificial in nature. And so for some, I mean, we talked about I've, I've talked to some donors, big numbers, like 30, 40,000 for an initial offering. I'm like, you do what the Lord tells you to do. Praise the Lord. But for some of you, it might be a thousand, might be two. I don't know. It might be 500. I don't know what that is for you, but every member needs to be in prayer and it should cause you to sacrifice something during that time. And you know, as a church, especially during my pastor, we've never done something like this, but this is so necessary in this season. And then also on the 21st, we're, we're asking every member of our church to do a pledge card. And, and that's this is what can you do in your resources? What can you sow on a monthly basis, whether you do it? Once a week or once a month, what can you sow above and beyond your regular giving? What is God challenging you to do? So every member of our house should be in prayer about this. And some of you are like, man, I don't know if I can give sacrificially because here's the truth. I haven't been giving obediently. I haven't even been consistent in the regular giving. No amens there, Anthony. Just, they, they were real quiet. But, but we all need to do our part in this season. Amen. It's not enough to cheer at the promise, right? It wasn't enough for for Joshua to tell Israel, get up, we're going to the promised land. They still had some battles to fight. They still had some things to do. And so we can cheer in one Sunday, but then we need to seek the Lord and fight some battles. And some of the battles we might have to fight is ourselves. Maybe in this season, there's a lot that we have to say no to in order that we can say yes to what God is saying. Amen. I want to talk to you today on this idea of sacrifice. And here's why, because we're going, to be, we're going to be raising over the next 36 months, we're attempting to raise a million dollars above and beyond our regular giving. Yeah. Come on, hey, thank the Lord for that, amen, right? We're going to make a big challenge to our church. But I want to be clear, we can't accomplish this without every person's help. And when we mention sacrifice, a number of things might come to mind, right? And I think sacrifice is different for every person in the room. Remember that story of Jesus with the widower, her two mites, right? For her, that was sacrificial. But there were other people with large sums of money coming in, dumping in. But Jesus said she gave the most, right? Now, here's the thing. We don't want to settle to be the widow. Don't, don't think that you can just come in and, and give two mites. Because God doesn't look at what we gave. God looks at what we have left over. Y'all don't want to hear that part. Amen. They were like, oh, i got the phone call on that part, Burgos. I got to walk out, right? But what does sacrifice mean for you? I want to establish for us over the next couple of weeks the idea of what sacrifice is, and maybe look at a biblical example of sacrifice in action. Now, theologically, sacrifice, right, refers to an act of offering something valuable to God as an act of worship. It means giving something valuable to God— as an act of worship. In the Old Testament, to atone for their sins, they would kill animals. They would sacrifice sheep or different animals in the Old Testament, and that was given to God as an offering. And then throughout the year, they had different offerings they would give to God. Now, we're not killing animals, praise the Lord, because Jesus was the last sacrifice needed for atonement. Now we we sow into the house of God with our time, talent, and our treasure. And this idea of sacrifice is actually central to Christian theology. The idea of a sacrificial lifestyle and a sacrificial atonement for us, because Jesus being the pinnacle of sacrifice, he's died for all the sins of humanity, pays the price we could never pay. That is the idea of sacrifice. But I want to give you... The truth, the the kind of a real simple definition for what sacrifice is. And I want to preface this by saying that, that naturally, none of us are hardwired for sacrifice. Naturally, none of us are hardwired for, man, I want to make my life tough for the next three years. I want to sit there and as Dave Ramsey would say, eat beans and rice and sacrifice and give heavily to the kingdom of God. Like that's not usually our automatic response to things. Usually it's, can I be faithful to God and then be faithful to me? Somebody say amen. Amen. And in this next season, what the Lord is asking us to do is how much can we lay down so that we can pick stuff up for his glory? Here's a real simple definition of sacrifice. Sacrifice is when we lay something down that we love for something that we love more. It's laying something down that we love for something we love more. For some of you men to be able to live this sacrifice that over the next 36 months, it may be that God says you don't get that new pair of kicks. You do, I got your conviction over there, Chris. You got some praise <laughs> It might be that you don't buy that new video game. It might be that you don't go get the same thing you always get. Ladies, it might mean that the Lord's saying, hey, maybe you should do your nails one time less a month. Praise the Lord. Maybe you should not have the Starbucks you always get. Maybe what can you subtract from your life to add to the kingdom? This is the goal, right? What can we do to give God something? Now, we all love things that we do in our life or else we wouldn't do it. But do we love the kingdom of God more and understand that what we do over these next 36 months, listen to me, can change the next 36 years? If you're telling me that 36 months can change 36 years, easy. I'm in. Because what we're building should outlast us. Now, in this season as a church, we're being called... To sacrifice. And we read the story in the scripture of God calling a man to do something absolutely crazy that if God told me to do, I don't even know what my response would be. Probably the most outlandish thing that God has ever told someone in scripture to do is in Genesis 22 verse 1. I'll read it to you from the ESV. Now, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, "Abraham," and he said, "Here I am." He said, "Take your son, your only son Isaac, that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice come on let's pray father we thank you for the opportunity to come before your presence and to be in your house we ask you to open our spiritual ears with understanding Would you speak into our hearts and into our minds in this season as you're calling us as individuals into a journey with you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, the church says amen. In Genesis 22, we're reading of a man whose name is Abraham, and he started off as Abram. And Abraham is a man who is used to God telling him to do crazy things, because the first thing that God ever told Abraham to do at 75 years of age, Abraham has no children, his wife is barren, and God says, go to a land that I will show you, and leave your father, and leave your family. And Abraham goes on this faith journey. He just starts walking in the direction that God pointed. Abraham had a sense of obedience to God, and he understood. We know Abraham in Scripture as the father of? Some of you know. You read the Bible. Praise the Lord, right? He's the father of faith. The old school song, Father Abraham, right, had many sons, but he did not start with many sons. He had none. Of course, many of you know the story of Abraham. He tried to help God out by having a son with his wife's servant named Hagar, and he birthed Ishmael, and that didn't work out too well for him at all. And God's like, Ishmael is not the one that I have. For you, I have somebody who will come from your wife. I have a son coming your way. And so Abraham is waiting for 25 years for the promise of God. And at 100 years old, God wakes up Abraham and Sarah's body. And the Bible says she gets pregnant and she bears him a son whose name is Isaac. And so you have to understand something. That God has been promising Abraham for 25 years a son and that he would father nations. Abraham walking around Canaan said, God said, I'm going to own this whole thing. God said, I, my, my family will be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. That's a lot of family. I thought I was bad with my 80-something cousins. That's a lot of family. But the Bible says that Abraham believed. He believed so much, it was counted to him as righteousness. Righteousness. But Abraham had no children. Finally, Abraham has a son, and his name is Isaac. And so you have to recognize that all of Abraham's hope for all of God's promises rested in Isaac. Isaac is this picture of the sum total of the hope that Abraham has for his future is all wrapped up in this son whose name is Isaac. And, and the first verse that we read, it's, it's this, the Lord calling to Abraham. It says, after some time, At this stage in Abraham's life, you have to understand something, that Isaac is not the little boy that you might think he is. He's probably in his mid to late 30s. He's not like a little kid where he was able to bind him up and just put him on the altar. Isaac had to have some obedience in this mess too. And at that age, the Lord says to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to give me your son as an offering. I want you, here's what God is saying, to give me all of your hope, All of my promises, give it back to me. Man, that's a lot of faith that Abraham has to have in God. I think the real question that God wanted to see was, did Abraham have the promise or did the promise have Abraham? There's many an individual in the church that you pray for the Lord to bring you to a certain place in your life. And then when God turns around and puts a demand on the place that he puts you, you begin to balk at what God has done. And then now the church is out of their mind what they're doing over there. That's crazy. I don't know about this, God. And now Abraham is being tested like that. I want you to give it all back to me. Here's point number one I want to give you today. That sacrifice challenges who has lordship over your life. Sacrifice should challenge who has lordship over your life sacrifice in and of itself will demand to know is God really your Lord or is he the additive to your life that you add in the morning? Is he a power up five hour energy in the spirit kind of thing you do or does he really own everything in your life? And I'm gonna challenge and encourage you that what the Lord is asking our church to do is nothing short of sacrifice thus that he would know who the Lord is over our lives. Abraham was literally asked by God, would you put the promise on the altar? In this next season, many of us who have blessings, the Lord has been faithful, the Lord has been good. And he's saying, man, you've been doing this, you've been saving for that, I've been faithful. But will you put the promise on the altar? That's painful. No, trust me, this is painful. For some of us, it might be that you have something that you've been saving for and God's like, will you put it on the altar? For some of you, it might be your future you've been saving for, and God's like, would you put it on the altar? For some, it might be some area of your life where he's like, will you put this on the altar? Abraham, we look at it and we see that God is saying, Abraham, do this, but we look at it as God saying, Abraham, give Isaac. That's not what God is saying. He's saying, give me every promise you have because all of my promises are in Isaac. He asked Abraham for everything. Who is Lord over your life and over your heart? In this season, the Lord is asking that question. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6:21: for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's tough. Now we just did a hard pivot right there, right? We made a connection now of Lordship in our heart determines where we put that heart at, where we put our treasure. What do we treasure? Do we treasure souls being saved? Or do we treasure numbers on a screen in the bank? Do we treasure our own safety, right? Our own security? Is my hope in what I have saved and accumulated? This is something that I'm facing as I pray through this, right? Is my hope in what I have saved or is my hope in who saved me? Y'all know me and my wife, we budget everything. We're preparing for rainy days and now the Lord's like, could you give me the rainy day fund? And I'm like, well, Lord, how much rain is coming? (laughs) Just, Jesus. Jesus. Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to react? And he's saying to me, hey, where your treasure is, there your your heart will be. If you treasure salvation, if you treasure changing people's lives, it'll be an easy thing for you to sow. It'll be an easy thing for you to give. Will we in this season treasure more what God can do through our savings or through our sacrifice? I want to challenge you that the sacrifice that God is calling us to do is going to make such an impact in our region that we will look back at moments like this 20, 30 years from now, and we will say, thank you, Lord, because of what we did in the entire city was won for you. Amen. You see, sacrifice isn't just about giving up something valuable. It's about the intention in our hearts behind what we give, where well, we treasure God more in this moment. Listen to verse 2. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and to offer him there is a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So not only is God like, hey, I want you to stab your son, Isaac. Right? You got a son, Danny, right? The Lord's not just saying, I want you to stab him and kill him. Then I want you to burn him. What? This is a, this is a, hey, yo. You said what? Now, does God really want human sacrifice? Absolutely not. But he was testing Abraham. Notice the Bible tells us right in verse 1, God tested Abraham. This is not demonic temptation, it's divine testing. This is different. This is different. Notice the three-part ask of God. Give me your son, your only son, whom you love. It's this deepening intimacy every time. he, He goes, give me your son, your only son, the one that you love. Ooh, this is tough. Now, Abraham's used to this. That same three-part directive, it mirrors Genesis 12 where the Lord called Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. God has always given Abraham these three-part commandments. He gives him these kind of directives in this fashion. And Abraham has had 25 years, now almost 55 years. If, if Isaac is, say, about 30 years old, he's got 55 years of knowing God's voice what do you do when the voice you know to be God is telling you to do something wild like this? What does Abraham do? Verse number three, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey. Immediately, Abraham obeys God. Here's point number two, that sacrifice requires, I shouldn't even change it, it demands obedience. Immediately, Abraham obeys God. How many of y'all know if you think about it too quick, you ain't going to do it? I wish I had a witness there. That's why I won't do stuff like, you know, bungee jumping or parachuting. It looks good from the ground. But once I get up there, my legs won't even let me go. And, you know, people just jump. It'll be great. It'll be fine. Zip lining, that's not for me. I don't do that kind of stuff. I won't do it because I will hesitate. It's not that, you know, number one, I'm low-key, high-key afraid, Right? but I'm more afraid of looking dumb on the edge not being able to jump. <laughs> not doing it. I remember years ago, I was, I was at this a theme park, and I hate roller coasters. They're not really my thing. They don't scare me. I just don't like the whole up and down, rolling, circle, circle. I just not at all. My, my stomach doesn't agree with that kind of stuff. And I, I finally, I, I just work up the courage to just deal with it. If I get a headache, Stephen, I'm gonna get a headache. And I, I go over there, and I, I'm standing in line. I was like 19 years old. And then right before I'm supposed to get on, the guy at the theme park's like, hold on, sir, um, the machine's having an issue. The, the ride's having an issue. And there was a long, I waited almost 40 minutes to get in this ride. The ride's having an issue. So am I. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> what did Lewis do? Lewis turned around, he took the walk of shame. I, I was out because I wasn't trying to die on no ride. But if we hesitate... We don't obey God. Many of us are masters at procrastination. We use that, I'm just praying about the Lord. He already spoke 10 times. I was going to verify what God said, and I don't, God, it can't be God, because it don't make sense. That might exactly be God. See, Abraham knew that voice. Man, Abraham knew that voice. I want to reiterate, this is a test. God doesn't want Abraham to actually murder his son, here's what God was really trying to see. Is there a man willing to give his son for me? And if there is, one day I'll give my son for man. That's what God's really checking out here. Is there a man willing to give me his son? And if he does, I will give them my son. Notice at the end of the promise, the angel of the Lord says to Abraham, Abraham, All the nations of the earth will be blessed by you. He's talking about about the Savior, Jesus Christ. Abraham makes the preparations himself, the Bible says. He cuts the wood himself, just like God grew the tree that Jesus died on. He cuts the wood. He saddles the donkey. He does everything, just like if you read the Bible. The Bible says that Jesus told the disciples there was already a donkey prepared for him. It was already prepared. The father prepared it for the son. Just like Jesus would be dead three days and three nights, Abraham walked for three days and three nights, and in his heart, Isaac was as good as dead because he had committed in his heart to obey the Lord. Just like Jesus would carry his cross. In the same fashion, Isaac carried the wood for the sacrifice. You have to see the parallels here. You have to see the fact that Jesus and Isaac kind of share this similarity, and everything points to Jesus being the finishing sacrifice. See, this thing that God told Abraham to do would require immediate obedience. It would require immediate obedience. Secondly, it would require radical obedience. Thirdly, it would require sustained obedience. There's three levels of obedience. There's immediate obedience, doing what God tells you to do in the 21st. And then there's radical obedience, acting in faith on the 21st with what God tells you to do. And then there's sustained obedience, doing it for the next 30, 36 months as a church family, as we journey in sacrifice. Abraham had to keep his mind made up for three days. If I had to take a three-day walk to kill my own kid, I'm going to tell you, by the first day, I'm already headed back home. This can't be God. I know it ain't God. Lord, you're too good for this. I'm going to walk back home. Abraham had sustained obedience for three days. 36 months we're working towards as a church. Abraham had it there for three days. Sacrifice requires obedience. And here is Abraham, and he's walking to do this, and the Lord is looking at him throughout this time. I can only imagine how abraham felt in his heart and then isaac he does isaac when they get to the place that god had told him to go isaac goes and he's like we got everything but a lamb hmm this is awkward right father we have everything but the lamb at some point theologians believe that isaac began to understand what was going to take place he began to understand how much it would cost him but he didn't fight his father when he bound him on the altar. You know what he said? If it be possible, pass this cut for me, but not my will, your will, Father. That's what he's saying in essence. When Jesus, like a sacrifice on the altar, he did not fight the father. He took it willingly for you and for me. This is such a parallel. See, see you have to understand that what Abraham did before Israel was even a nation bore fruit thousands of years later when Jesus is on the cross? How much fruit will what we are about to do bear in our local region? You see, true obedience doesn't hold back what is most precious when God demands it. True obedience does not hold back what is precious to you when God commands it. It commits to God even if the future of your own life is in question on the basis of God's ask. That's true sacrifice. Laying down what you love. Let's recap as I close with this thought. First, sacrifice challenges who has lordship over your heart. Who is the lord of your life? You're going to find out in a couple of weeks. Secondly, sacrifice requires, aka demands, obedience. Radical, immediate, and sustained obedience in your life. We look at the story of Abraham And we see these these odd things that god does because i would be like god if you're gonna have me kill my kid can i just do it at home so that i don't have to like walk three days crying on the way back i would be like lord let me just do it in my neighborhood i don't want to have to take a journey to have to journey back in pain Lord, I don't want to do that. And notice what Abraham said to Isaac when they got there. He said to his servants, me and the boy are going to go worship the Lord. What? Worship killing the boy? This is weird. But here's what Abraham understood. He understood that anything God asked him for is worship. Abraham had to go the distance three whole days. Listen to verse 7 again. And Isaac said to his father, my father. He said to him, here I am, my son. Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide himself, the lamb, for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. This is a bonus point, not my third point, but but sacrifice requires faith. Sacrifice requires faith, y'all. Have to believe that God's going to act on your behalf. The writer of Hebrews says that Abraham believed in God so much that he believed that if he took a knife and plunged it into his son, that God would resurrect him. That's what Abraham believed. The writer of the scripture says that this life of sacrifice, it takes some serious faith. Sacrificial faith. Abraham begins to prepare Isaac, sets the wood in order on the altar, builds it nice and perfect. He binds him. See, I. Abraham had faith to give Isaac and Isaac had faith to follow his father right onto the altar. And right before he puts him on the altar, the angel of the Lord stops him and he says, don't do it. The Lord is testing you. But because you've been faithful and he begins to make him promises. Right before and right after the angel begins to talk, or finishes talking. Verse 13, And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. Here's point number three. Sacrificial obedience opens doors of unexpected provision. That when you act in the way that God has commanded you to act, that the, he will bring provision you do not expect. And he turns around and sees a ram. That's a male lamb. And notice, remember what Abraham said, God will provide. And this ram is caught in a thicket, a thorn bush, by his horns. Much like Jesus would have a crown of thorns on his head. This ram, again, is a picture of the provision of God. Abraham was obedient to the point of lifting the knife, Pastor Carmen. The Bible says he got the knife in the air when God calls him. He has a knife in the air when God urgently calls out to him. But why did Abraham have to go on the journey? And pastor, why do we as a church gotta go on this journey? I don't know about this journey stuff. Because the provision of God wasn't at home. It was on the mountain. You see, what you have to understand is this, is God does not prepare people for places. He prepares places for people. So it was by Jesus said, I go to prepare a... Place for you all throughout the scripture God makes men go on journeys to hear something he could have told them at home he made Moses go to Sinai with Israel he made Elijah go to the mountain of Horeb he made he made all throughout scripture he has all these different people he took Ezekiel to a valley of dry bones you could have talked to me at home and given me a vision But God is into this journey because he wants to know, is there sustained faith and obedience in you? Because some of you talk a good game sometimes, but you know at home there ain't some faithfulness there. And God's like, will there be sustained faithfulness? At the mountain of Moriah, Abraham receives a provision and an angel of the Lord to speak to him that he would never have received at home. There's places in your life of comfort that God cannot talk to you from, and he's looking for you to come to a place of provision that he has for you. There is a place that God has prepared for this house and this church, and I want to challenge you that it's going to take a journey for us to get there. Make no mistake that over these next couple of weeks, the Lord is going to challenge you with sacrifice. But each and every one of us have to understand that God would never call us to lay something on the altar He can't resurrect. God would never call us to put something on the altar that He doesn't have better in mind for us. God would never challenge us to do the impossible, do the unthinkable, the unfathomable, unless He was going to meet you in the midst of that journey. Where is God preparing for you? And what place is God trying to take you and bring you so that you can understand, so that you can be in partnership with the Lord? Nothing that we desire to do in the kingdom of God is going to come void of sacrifice. Nothing. Maybe you're here today and the first sacrifice you need to make is giving your life to Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, that is the best thing that you could possibly do. You can say no to yourself and yes to Jesus. Maybe you're here today as a part of our church already and you're struggling in the areas of your life, but there really hasn't been a place of sacrifice, not in your prayer life, not in your seeking of the Lord, not in your generosity. They want to challenge you to get to a place of sacrifice because fire falls on sacrifice. God looks at sacrifice and it pleases him when we say to ourselves, not as an act of our flesh or of works, but saying, I'm going to go the extra mile for the king because he's worthy of it. I'm going to do the impossible because he is worthy of it. Sacrifice is outside of our nature. We would take comfort every day if we could. But in this season, God is calling us to, to the person next to you, sacrifice. Come on, stand with me this morning as the prayer team makes their way up. I want to ask you a couple of really simple questions. I want to ask you first and foremost, is your heart and is your mind aligned with Jesus Christ? Have you made an open and real and true commitment to Jesus Christ? Whether you're in person or online, we have people standing by to pray for you and with you. Have you and have you made a solid decision for Jesus Christ? I want to challenge every one of you. If you haven't, that today is your day of salvation. Secondly, maybe you're in a place in your life where sacrifice scares you and you need some boldness in God. Maybe you just need God to touch your life, speak to your heart. We have people prepared to pray for you in any area of your life. We don't care. We want to pray with you. And we want to agree with God on behalf of your life. And maybe you've been waiting for some things and, and this whole idea of sacrifice scares you. I want to challenge you that God is more than able. Amen in a moment I'm going to pray and when I'm done praying I want if you want prayer in any area of your life to come down to the center aisle and we will lift you up and we will partner with you in prayer because God is looking for any son and any daughter who is willing on his behalf to do the work of the kingdom how many of you know it's going to take some serious strength to do what God's calling us to do it's going to some serious strength I want to challenge you to be seeking the Lord and maybe you need just some clarity over your life. We want to partner with you in prayer. Come on, bow your heads. Father, I I just thank you for every son and daughter in this room. Lord, there are people in this room who want to come up for prayer, but there is literally just a spirit of fear going to paralyze them, Lord God. And maybe it's just a little bit of pride, Lord God. But I ask you right here, right now, give us boldness to step up, to step out. Give us boldness, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus that we would not fear what you're calling us to do, we would look towards it and say, Lord, for your sake and for your glory. Father, I pray for those in this room who have not made a commitment to you, who have not submitted their lives to you. I just ask you, Lord Jesus, that they would take a step, a huge step of faith and surrender their hearts and minds to you. Come on with your heads bowed and your eyes closed across this sanctuary. Is there anybody in this room who you know with all your heart that your salvation is not secure but you want to make a commitment to the Lord? If that's you, would you lift your hand as high as you can so that I can see you? Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. I got a couple seconds here. I'll wait for you. If you don't know, if you're saying, Pastor, I'm not 100% sure but maybe you've made the commitment before but you just know that you've not been living right. If that's you, God's speaking to your heart today, and there's a place for you. He, he sacrificed his son so that you can walk in eternal life. Now, if you got your hand up, I want to challenge you to just come on forward. We want to pray with you. Just come right to this altar. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid because the Lord is with you. Come on. Right now, step out of your seat and just come on up. And if you need prayer over any other area of your life, I want to challenge you to come on up. Come on. Now's your moment. Now's your moment. Any area of your life, we believe that God wants to meet you today. We're going to take a moment here. We're going to worship the Lord. I want to challenge you to stay in a posture of worship as we continue on.